Blog Talk Radio.
in the Dak era. Now, obviously, Dak's been out, so. But um, uh, it, it, it's a tough season, and it's just been a tough year. It's It's been a tough everything. But before I get into the Cowboys, um, a couple of things. You know, I, 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 I do have a platform to air some things. I talked about Verizon uh, Tuesday, and I just want to kind of bring that, you know, to a, a closure. Um, first of all, I switched – I had – I've had both Verizon and AT&T for a very long time. It doesn't matter why, but I've had them both. I thought they were very comparable companies, and while I always knew Verizon's service was a little bit better, I, I thought AT&T's uh, customer service was pretty good. And in the beginning – when they were exclusive, first of all, AT&T was the only place you can get an iPhone from in the beginning. They were the only carrier. Once that contract ran out um, for at least a year or two, if you wanted to use your phone and use data at the same time, AT&T was the only company that offered that. If you went to T-Mobile or Sprint or Verizon, if you wanted to, like, surf the Internet, you couldn't do that while you were on the phone. Okay. Yeah, this was a while ago. So those of you like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've been able to do that for a long time. No, I'm going back, okay? So I kept AT&T through all of that. But now, obviously, all of that's changed. You can do all of that with anybody, and um, it was ridiculous to have two accounts, and I really only need one account. So I decided to merge and have one bill of Verizon. Got my kids on there, you know. So, um, And as you guys heard on Tuesday night, I had an issue with my phone, and I used their automated service, got nowhere. I talked to someone online. Uh, he was a complete and, and complete idiot, like complete, tried to get me to um, spend $11 on insurance for the phone that I didn't need to get it fixed on a phone that I had just bought, wanted me to send in my phone, and then they would send me one, even though my girlfriend had an issue um, with her phone. The battery was, was um, not holding a charge, so they said, you know what, just send it back and we'll send you a new one. Well, they sent her a new one first, and then she sent the phone back. Now, she had to pay, like, still, you know, 100 bucks or something. You know, you need a little deposit or something to you. Yeah, that's fine. I didn't get that option. And then on top of that, he couldn't fix it. And then he said, we can go to tech support, and they have more tools than I do, but I want you to know in advance that could take a while. So after spending over an hour on the phone with him, 45 minutes, I'm on the phone close to two hours. My options were go to tech support and send who knows how long, spend $11 for insurance to cover whatever they were going to do to the phone, replace it or whatever, or send in my phone, be phoneless for a few days, and wait for a new phone. I told the guy he was, he was crazy. I wasn't doing any of that. And I said, I'm going to go find somebody else who can help me because you don't know what you're doing. And I got off. So that was, uh, that was Tuesday. So Wednesday, I was, gonna prepare, I was preparing. Um, my daughter had a car accident, so I had to call the insurance company, you know, the life we live as parents, and I needed to call Verizon. So those are the two things I needed to do before I go into my little holiday, my little four days. This is the second day of four straight days off from work, thank God. So let me get those things out of the way, finish up a little work, and then get ready for a, a modest, <laughs> lesser holiday, right? That's, that's what the plan was. So I go on to Verizon, and I go on to the app, and I said, you know, let me just go in here and check this app out and make sure I'm not missing anything. Why did I do that? I don't know, but I did. And guess what? There was a setting in there that says block all calls and messages. Didn't work on app 
Apple, it was for non-Apple because Apple is separate. So it would only block non-Apple because you can get calls and messages through iMessage. You turn iMessage off, now you got nothing. So I turned that setting back on. I sent a text, no problem. Their automated system did not suggest that. The idiot I talked to did not suggest that. Neither one of the two things. So they were going to have me send my phone in, pay extra money, talk to tech support, and wouldn't you think one of the first things that you would do is to say, have you looked at the settings in our app? There is a setting that controls this. You may want to check that out. Wouldn't that be one of the first? I think the first thing you would say is iMessage, because that's the obvious answer, is you're using iMessage, which is for Apple, to send text messages to Android. Not going to work. And if I'm talking above you, Google it. That would be the first thing I think anyone would say that knows anything about this. If you work for Ryan, wouldn't that be the second thing you say? Hey, check the app out. I don't know if you ever go on the app, um, but check the app because we do know there's a setting in there that does exactly what you're having, and maybe that was inadvertently turned on because that's exactly what the solution was. So I don't know. Be state, you know, they, they, people hate, you know, doctors hate when you walk in and tell them what's wrong and what you think it is. Lawyers hate when you, you, you have a legal issue and you offer suggestions on how to take care of it. And I'm sure customer service people hate when you try to tell them their job. But you know what? With the Internet today and the plus of information out there, it's okay to do a little homework and accept that you could be wrong, but you might be right. Because just like that, it was fixed. One slide of a little button on the app and it was fixed. Couldn't get my two hours back, but I didn't have to send my phone in. I didn't have to pay any money. My phone is fine. And, you know, that Verizon customer service guy is a moron. I, I, I wish there was a way I could tell him that because he was a moron, period. Okay. The other thing before I get into the Cowboys is, you know, I talked on Tuesday night about um, Shannon Sharp and his comments about, the watermelons, and I said, you know, really, and even train, I said, wow, you know, and, uh, you know, it had really opened my eyes. It's something I hadn't even thought of. And then I listened to Jason Whitlock, and you can Google it, who thought that Shannon Sharp was just over the top and said, you know, some people are conditioned to always look for racism and racism. Now, let's be clear. I'm a black man. Shannon Sharp's a black man. Jason Whitlock is a black man. None of us have the cornerstone on what is and isn't racist, and none of us um, you know, I think Whitlock might be the oldest. Let me see. Alexa, how old is Jason Whitlock? Jason Whitlock is 53 years old. Okay. He was born on April 27, 1967. Okay, so Whitlock's two months older than me. So we're both 53. Shannon Sharp, I believe, is 50 or 51. So the three of us are in the same age group. Um, I know Sharp has his degree. I have a degree. We all have different levels of educational degrees. Uh, I think on this topic, we all come into it on the same platform, the same level. I don't think any one of us comes in with a higher knowledge or anything. We all come in with opinions. My problem is that Whitlock really slammed Shannon Sharp for his opinion. And I, and I get that's what these guys do. But, you know, I think Shannon made a valid point. I think it was something to be considered. Is it the only way to look at it? No. You know, Whitlock didn't see anything wrong with it and said, I don't see what the big deal is. Um, okay, that's your opinion. But I think as black people, sometimes we give the benefit of the doubt when maybe we should take a second look because we, we're conditioned to allow or we're conditioned to pick our battles. 
I know a lot about picking battles and some things I'm dealing with that at some point when it's appropriate, I will get into on this show, but not now. I cannot do that. But, um, but I know a lot about picking battles when it comes to race and race issues. Trust me. And um, at some point, you, you know, you don't want to have to pick your battle. You want to just be able to say, look, I think that was fucked up. And after I listened to Shannon Sharp and thought about it, and I get it. You know, apparently Gallagher, the comedian who I do vaguely remember, made a lot of money off of smashing watermelon. But I don't know the context going on in Gallagher's mind and in his head and in his heart. People laughed at it, but people used to laugh at blackface at some point too, right? You know, I, I mean, there are certain things that people think is funny that I don't really know that's funny. I don't know that I, I, I had, a, I had a, a very good friend of mine. And he's a black guy. And he called me an Uncle Tom. He was joking. He didn't mean it. But I didn't like it. And I told him. I didn't laugh. I didn't think it was funny. And I was honest with him. And he goes, hey, bro, I'm just messing with you. And my boy, I said, absolutely. And you have that right to mess with me. And I have the right to tell you that I don't particularly appreciate that. And he said, okay, cool. And he stopped and we moved on. I didn't hold any ill will. We didn't bring it. We haven't spoke about it since. Life went on. He did something that he thought was funny. I set my boundaries that to me, because he doesn't know my background. I don't know his background. For him, maybe that's something him and his friends can joke about, and it's funny. He lives in another part of the country. For me, it's not. And I respect where he's coming from. He respected where I'm coming from. You know, he said, okay, no problem. He didn't even apologize. And, I didn't, and he didn't have to, because he wasn't trying to hurt me or upset me or you know, if he was intentionally trying to hurt me, then he should apologize. He was trying to be funny. I didn't laugh. Asked him to stop. He stopped. We're good. We're good. We haven't even spoke about it. It has not affected our relationship even a little bit. Everybody brings whatever they bring into it, and there should be some level of respect. I do think there are times that black people are passive when they shouldn't be because they're so used to white people saying you're, you're using the race card. Why are you going there? You know, and... I will say this until I die. A white person trying to teach me about race is like a man trying to tell a woman about pregnancy. I'll never forget. I worked for a nonprofit. I was 26, 27 years old. So I was young, learning still. And they brought in someone to talk about racial sensitivity and race stuff because the work that we were doing was in low-income neighborhoods with low-income communities dominantly of color. And most of the staff was white. There was me. There was, I think, one Hispanic person. And I think that was it. I don't think there was anybody else of color. It was a long time ago. They brought in a white guy. Happened to be happened to have the same real life last name as me, but he was white. And he was supposedly a reverend, although I questions about that. Um, and I sat and listened to this guy for an hour. And I learned nothing. And at the end, he asked for feedback and he asked for thoughts. And I said, can you handle honesty? He said, yeah. I said, I gained nothing from this. And I said, and on top of that, I'm offended that my company thought that I needed to hear what a white person thought about race. To learn from someone that hasn't lived it, walked in the same shoes that I've walked in or similar shoes, and are trying to teach me because they read it in a book or saw it in a movie or in a documentary or you know, I, you're not, you know, I lived this. And even then I was living it. I was in my 20s. And now, 25 plus years later, the stories I can tell. Um, so it was offensive to me. Uh, and the guy took it well. 
Um, and the boss apologized to me directly and said, I never thought of that because she was white, but she was wonderful, wonderful human being. Oh, yeah, she's still alive. Uh, wonderful, wonderful human being. I don't, there was no ill will attached to her energies and efforts at all, not zero. But my point is we all bring a different level of baggage and, you know, um, Whitlock, I think, was out of line for criticizing Shannon Sharp because Shannon Sharp believes what he believes, and he swayed my thoughts on it. Once I heard him and his argument, it was very persuasive, and I thought, yeah, maybe it was out of line. Did Mike McCarthy mean it? Did he mean it in a racist way? I don't believe so. I believe he was channeling Gallagher and thought, you know, this was funny and it was a way to get the team motivated, and maybe it worked because they beat Minnesota. Maybe he should have did it yesterday. I don't know, but – I don't think there was any ill will, but, you know, should he have done that? No. And the bigger point was if you're making $10 million a year or $15 million a year or $3 million a year, do you need to be motivated to go out there and win a game? Like, isn't that your job? I laugh at people having to be motivated to do their jobs. You know, like, you got to, you got to be, you got to, you know, like, you're getting paid. I don't care what you do. If you dig holes and that's your job, go dig holes and do it well. You know, like, uh, anyway, I've spent 17 minutes on non-Dallas Cowboy game-related stuff, so now I shift to yesterday's game. And, um, yeah, I, was, I, I will admit I've gone through emotions about this. Um, you know, I was disgusted, first and foremost. I mean, I took my Cowboy shirt off before the game was over. I'm like, I'm not wearing this shit. I put on a regular shirt. Um you know, the game was over. I didn't listen to whatever their post game, whatever. I just changed channels and found a movie. I didn't go to any ESPN, whatever stuff, or go on a website and stuff I would normally do. I just, I needed to be away from Dallas for a little while and not, you know, other than whatever notifications I would get from ESPN or DallasCowboys.com or NFL.com. I get, I get notifications from all of them. And, you know, other than those notifications, I needed nothing Dallas related last night. And then, I don't sleep. I mean, I sleep, but I'm not to go to bed at 10, wake up at 7 guy. You know, I'm, I, I doze and I take naps and I sleep three, four hours at a time. It's who I am. It's what I do and like it. So in the morning, you know, 4 or 5 o'clock, I'm awake and actually had something to eat because I eat dinner at 4, 4.30. Then I need, didn't eat again. So at 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm starving. So I ate up some leftover dinner and I was eating that and so I start watching cowboy stuff and watch some of the interviews and some of the a little bit of the analysis that came out and I watched a little bit of it this morning I still got more to see I have not watched first take I may not watch first take because I don't if Stephen A is on I don't want to hear it I just I don't I don't really want to hear it I did watch Shannon and Skip and I heard what they had to say and so here, here's where I am on this um you know, I came on the show Tuesday night, and I said I jumped the gun on Mike McCarthy and Mike Nolan, and I stand by that. They deserve a full season to be evaluated. Um, but I am really thinking that they weren't the pick. And, and I know I stand by what I said, and they have five games to prove that they're the long-term solution. But, you know, just some of the stuff is puzzling to me. The team, for the most part, doesn't play like everyone is on the same page. The number of fourth downs going forward in your own territory puzzle me. The trickery of the fourth downs puzzle me. The fourth and one, fourth and a half, fourth and inches, and you want to pass the ball, 
but then when you sneak it, you get it. When you pass it, and granted, C.D. Lamb was interfered. I get it. But you pass it, you don't convert. You sneak it, you convert. Like, like, is there any better play on a fourth and inches than to just sneak it because you're right there? And even if they're looking for the sneak, you still know when you're going to hike the ball. So you still have a fraction of a second head start. Even better than handing it off to Zeke. Zeke is not what he was. I don't know why. I don't know if it's permanent. I don't know if he just COVID-related, if it's, you know, he got paid. I don't know. He's 25. So, you know, as far as, you know, is he done? I don't think so. I think maybe he's got to go back and recommit to the game a little bit. Maybe he needs to go and talk to Emmett or Agent Peterson, who looks like a better back today than Emmett, than Ezekiel Elliott, or, um, Jared, I think his name is Jared, Walter Payton's son, to ask about workout regimens, like Jerry Rice. There are legendary athletes that you can go talk to. LeBron James spends a million-plus dollars on his body a year. LeBron James is never out of shape. That's why he's playing at 17 years at such a high level. Michael Jordan, you know, he didn't play as long as LeBron, but he was never out of shape. You know, there's, there's some, some athletes, there's no off-season. They may go on vacation and, you know, you take breaks. You got to let your body, part of, part of working out is also letting your body rest and recover. You can't work out five days a week, six days a week, forever. Like your body, you have to give your body breaks and let it heal up and let it recover. And, and that's part of it. Let it rest, right? What do they tell you? You know, the most important thing is rest, drink water. So, so you know, 12-month period of time to go two and three months with no real active working out, the top athletes don't do that. There's always part of their life. Even guys that have retired and you listen to them and they're like, yeah, I get up in the morning and I work out. They don't work out with the same intensity and, you know, that they did when they were playing, but it's just who they are. And I think the ones that are not performing, you know, at, at a high level consistently, one of the things you might look at, obviously talent is a part of it and work ethic but what are you doing? They always say, you know, athletes are created in the off season, not during the season. And I believe that. So I think Emmett, uh, Emmett, Ezekiel, there's something there that he may have to look at. Because there are times there's flashes where you could see he still got it, including yesterday. There's a couple of runs where it's like, okay, that's the Zeke I know. Um, when you're at fourth and one, fourth and an inch, and you're not giving them the ball, and I know the offensive line gets that minute is a shambles, but still, still, I mean, it's Joe Looney at center. You know, you had McGovern, who's supposed to be pretty good, uh, and uh, Connor Williams, who second round, is second round draft pick, I think. He's serviceable. He's decent. I mean, you lost both your tackles, but your interior was still there. You know, but you didn't want to run Zeke, so you, why would you? Like the play calling is suspect. You know, the 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 fourth downs, three of them, you go for. You, 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 you know, two, was it, two fake punts. And if you look at the one with Cedric Wilson in the reverse, if you look at that play, which really the game was over after that play. But if you watch the play, you'll see somebody sneaks out and is open. And if Cedric Wilson, like, I don't know what they called. I know what he did. And it did not look like at all. Shannon Sharp thinks that he was supposed to, act like he was going to run and then pull up and throw the ball. And, but things 
broke down so quickly he just he couldn't do that and he just decided to hold on to the ball and try to try to run and you know obviously got stopped but if you look if he had you know he's not a quarterback I don't know if he ever played one in high school or college but um, there was someone open if he had just stopped and threw the ball or if he could throw on a run would have been perfect because there was someone wide open for a good more than gave a first down so when you look at that if that was the attempt of the play it was a great call but it wasn't executed properly. Um, I just feel like a couple of things. One is head coach and quarterback. A year ago, it was Garrett and Dak. Then it's McCarthy and Dak. Now it's McCarthy and who's the flavor of the minute. And that's not something you can build in a couple of games. That's a, that's a problem. McCarthy has not had anyone – other than what he worked with, Montana, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, now he's working with, you know, a, 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 a guy that was a starter but is now a backup. Like, I, I don't – that relationship is – it may not meld in time, and by the time it melds, the season's going to be over and we're going to be ready to get Dak back. So, you know, you're fighting that. You're fighting the offensive line. And I get it. Everybody's got injuries. I'm not – but, you know, wow. I mean, our – Starting tackles are both gone for the year. And now both are backup tackles, who both are not the second-string tackles. One was signed but then was hurt, so they had to put somebody else in. So he never played a game until last against Minnesota. And the other one is Zach Martin, who was your all-pro guard that you moved out there because you had another guy who was a decent guard that you couldn't get on the field. So this was the way to get your five best linemen on the field. So you put Zach Gard, and you lose them both in the first series. So your literal third option, not third string, but your third option. Dallas has had 15 different combinations of offensive linemen this year in 10 games. I'm sorry, you're not going to run for 150 yards every game doing that, and you're not going to be able to handle pressure like a team like a Washington can bring you when you do that. It is a formula for disaster. And with that, these boys hung in. With Zach Martin being, you know, struggling to even get off the field, Cam Irving coming back on the sideline and shaking his head, no, I can't go. These boys hung in for the rest of the first half. They didn't quit. They fought. And it was 17-13 going into the third quarter. You know, and then things happen. Zeke fumbles and, you know, just things happen. I mean, CeeDee Lamb makes the catch of the year last year, and then he gets one right there, and he drops it for a touchdown at the end of the third quarter, which would have tied the game, and more than likely sent the game into the fourth quarter, tied 2020. Now, you know, made the best team win. Now we got a game. Let's go. Kind of like against Minnesota last week. Um, but instead, everything, you know, you, you, you held it together, you held it together, you held it together. But penalties, you, you get a Dalton Schultz with, he got, I don't know, he fell on somebody after the play. I don't even, I don't even understand sometimes why people, why these guys, like, you're, you're, you're only playing because Blake Jarwin is gone for the year. You're only playing because Jason Whitman um, wasn't re-signed because it was time for a change. So you're the third string. You're playing for more playing time next year or the ability to go out and be a starter somewhere because you're not bad. And then you do things like personal fouls. Like you don't haven't built up cachet to have a personal foul. You know, why didn't you have a personal foul when Andy Dalton got 
nailed by this same team. Why didn't have a personal foul then? When we could have said, oh, well, that's a good one. I'll take that personal foul. No, you have a personal foul in a place where it hurts us after we had a, a fourth down conversion fail, and then you do a personal foul on top of it, so they get 15 more yards. So now they're starting their drive at the 20-yard line of Dallas, not of Barrett, but of Dallas. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, this show is now what? Now what do we do? Because this team played – you know, competitively for three quarters and then fell apart. The defense fell apart. And can we forget the biggest issue? Marcus Paul passed away. You guys heard about it here Tuesday night. You know, you heard even before the press, I I actually scooped the press for a change and knew that he was in really bad. I mean, Jay Googled it and found out after he was on life support, but I knew that he was in trouble uh, at 5 of 9 Tuesday night and told the story on how I know. And um, he passed away Wednesday. And I actually had the, the privilege of messaging his wife. Because, I, you know, like I said, we have a mutual friend. And I sent his wife a condolence note, not thinking I would get a response. I mean, your husband dies, like, that morning. And some guy you don't even know is messaging you that night saying, you know, I'm so sorry. My condolences for your loss. Like, I figured she would just, you know, whatever. But she actually responded, thank you. Does that give you an idea of what kind of people that we that this was? Like, like birds with feather fly together and you heard all these great things. His wife took a minute. The day that she, I had no expectations of getting a response. I don't know this woman from a hole in the wall. She don't know me at all. I'm sure she's getting a ton of messages from people. Some she knows, some she doesn't. Text messages, you know, social media stuff because her daughter's on social media. And some random guy who happens to be a mutual friend with a friend of hers sends a condolence note, and she responded. Like, I ain't nobody. I'm nobody. Okay, guys, I know, you know, Commissioner TV, I'm this one, I get it. You know, I'm nobody. Okay, I'm nothing special. And what a, what, a, what a person on her day of mourning, the day before Thanksgiving, to be crushed that you lost your love, and some guy sends you and you respond, thank you. Like, I'm blown away by that. I'm blown away by that. And everything I heard about Marcus Paul and how great of a person he was and, you know, he's been in the league a long time, played for the Bears, which we didn't know on Tuesday night. So i got to make sure train, you know, here's that on this Tuesday. Um, I heard um guy with the gap in his tooth, Michael Strahan. Um, they were pretty close from his time with Washington. Um, the guy on Damian Woody on um, – ESPN, uh, he knew him from his time with New England. Uh, apparently, he has, you know, between the Giants and the uh, Patriots, five Super Bowl ranks, and the Cowboys loved him. And, you know, apparently he had a heart attack at the facility on Tuesday. So this is a guy that's, like, very important to the team, and he had a heart attack, and they rushed him to the hospital. And he dies on Wednesday. And now you got to go into this game on Thursday play. And if you watched any of the post-game interviews, I saw Looney, I saw Amari Cooper, I saw Ezekiel Elliott, especially Zeke. Zeke looked devastated. Like Zeke looked like he could cry right then and there. And these guys had to go in. So even if we don't want to say coaching, we don't want to say scheme, we don't want to question play calling, 
you know, injuries. We Even if we don't – just come on. Have you ever lost anybody close to you? Maybe not a mom, a dad, sister, brother, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, but somebody that was a good friend that's important to you and then you lose them and you just feel lost. I mean, this is a guy that's part of their day-to-day routine and he's gone just like that. And now the day after he dies, you got to go try to play a football game. Not making excuses, just stating facts. And I can tell that it bothered them. Now, I'm not, it's not, that's not why they lost, but it certainly didn't help. You can rally and say, let's go win this one for Marcus. You can try that. But the other team is going to play too. They're not going to say, okay, we're going to let y'all win because you lost them. No, they're going to, they, they trying to get in the playoffs already. Lost your starting quarterback. Okay. Um, your starting superstar, budding superstar cornerback is out. Trayvon Diggs is out. Your all-pro tackle, one, more than likely, I think, I think no one's going to argue with um, um, Tyron Smith, Hall of Fame, like he's that damn good. Um, Lyle Collins, I don't know about him, but he, he's an all-pro. Your two all-pro tackles, you know, you remember, I can't remember the guy's name. He was number 68, and he was before Lyle Collins, and he retired. Oh, my God, it'll come to me. But he retired. And we were like, what are we going to do? And then Lyle Collins showed it. He's pretty good. Like, this was a dominant, you know, dominant offensive line just a, just a few short years ago. Now it's patchwork. These things matter. Ezekiel has been hampered by a hamstring and a groin. He played. These things matter. You know, Van Der Esch missed games. Now he looks like he's back to his old self, but, you know, injuries matter. Coaching matters. You have a small window to try to play your best as it is. You're not a very good football team to begin with. So things have to, you know, Ezekiel Elliott cannot keep fumbling. That's five this year. That's five fumbles that he lost. I think six fumbles, but he got one back. I think five this year. He had five his whole career, four-year career. Now he's in his fifth year. He's at five this year. Those things matter. You know, the the strip sack kind of stuff. You know, Montez Sweat makes a hell of a play. That was a hell of an athletic play that he made. Took the ball and went up. You know, you can tell that that's coaching and practice. Like, they practice. You know, they call it the tip drill. You tip something, you, you, you look for it. And that's what he did. He got it, and he made an incredible play. You know, Chase Daniels, guy's insane. You know, they knew that Dallas had been run on. And even though the first half, Dallas did a decent job, second to fourth quarter, it was back to what we've seen in the past. You know, he, he, all of these things matter. And when you're already not a very good team and you've got to play a near-perfect game to get a win, even against another team that's not very good, and let's be honest, Washington isn't very good. You know, um, it's a great story to see Alex Smith back out there. If you watch his video on what he had to do to, to you know, it went from, um, you know, we don't want to have his leg amputated, save his leg, to saving his life. You know, 17 surgeries and bone grafting or skin grafting or whatever, you know, muscle taken off of this part of his body to put on his calf. And, I mean, the guy went through hell, and he's playing again. Great story. But he's not that mobile. His QBR was like 26 yesterday. 
they didn't win because of Alex Smith. They won because of that defense. They won because the Dallas Cowboys just fell asleep in the fourth quarter. And they won because Dallas doesn't have a large margin of to win a game. They don't. There's no Dak in there to cover up mistakes like he did for several games and what he's probably done a lot of his career. There's no Dak to do that. Andy Dalton is serviceable. He's the best option they have. And I think he has the ability to be competitive. And if he's playing good football, he has QBR like 77. But, you know, it doesn't help when he throws a fourth down to C.D. Lamb that's clearly pass interference and they don't call it. Or the other one he throws to C.D. Lamb, hits him right where it needs to be, and C.D. Lamb drops it. You know, or the play that Montez Sweat made that's just like, oh, my God, look at the athleticism. Those things don't help. You don't have a margin of error. These catches have got to be made. These pickup blocks have got to happen so Andy Dalton isn't under pressure. And these fourth downs, like, you guys got to get back to the basics. I don't have a problem with you going for it on fourth down. I don't have a problem with the fake punt if you execute. If you execute, but to do three, I think they did. Did they do three? I know they definitely did two. Two, three fake punks yesterday. Like I don't know, going to the well a little too often. I don't know. Um, now what? Now what is we don't overreact. You don't get too high when you win, and maybe we got a little too high because we beat a competitive Minnesota team. But you can't get too low when you lose. I mean, Dallas still has the easiest schedule moving forward. If, you, if, you're, if your goal is to say we made it to the playoffs and we're hosting a home game and anything, anything is possible, fine. I can live with that goal because anything is possible at that point. And would not surprise me, although I, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but, you know, <laughs> they said that four to six months. I mean, I mean, January playoff time I think would be like four months, right? Three months maybe. I don't know. But back in, I don't think they could bring him back. I think they put him on season-ending IR. But anywho, this year, COVID year, try to win a division and, and make the playoffs. And even if you go in and get smoked by a Seattle or somebody, hey, you know, at least you won the division and made the playoffs in a, in, a, in a clearly off and down year. Okay, I can live with that. So where are we when it comes to that? We're one game out. So in any normal season, if you had five games to go, now, with Washington, unfortunately, we're more like two games out because they swept us. So we can't, you know, if it comes down to a tie, at some point head-to-head comes in and they're 2-0. And so it's not going to help us to tie with them for the division lead at, after 16 games. Um, I don't know if that's the first tiebreaker of head-to-head is over division record. I, that I don't know. But no matter what, you know, they've beaten us twice, and that would hurt us. But in the meantime, till that comes down to that, we're one game out. They're four and seven, and we're three and eight. So in any normal season, after 11 games, if you're one game out, is the season over? No. So we got Baltimore next Thursday night. Lamar Jackson has COVID. Um, since he tested positive, I don't think he can play next Thursday. Now, let me be clear. I'm stating facts. I am not pleased that anybody gets COVID. Or COVID is terrible. I hope he makes a full recovery. I hope he has no symptoms. Like, I don't want any – I'm not trying to benefit off the fact that he's sick. That's, that's not what I'm trying to do. Like, not at all. What, what, am I, what I'm saying, however, is he does have it. Okay? He does have it. And so having it means that, it is unlikely, think he can play 
next Thursday night, which means whoever their backup is has to play, which gives Dallas a fighting chance against a team that I would say on pretty much any other situation they're going to win. Their defense is not scary this year. We saw Tennessee punk them. Lamar Jackson's scary, but if he can't play, Dallas can go in and fight. And that's the only team on a winning record Dallas has, has to play the rest of the way. They got to play Philly again. Are you scared about Philly? No. They got to play Cincinnati. Does that scare you? No. They got to play the Giants. Everyone says the Giants are playing the best football of any team. Well, we, played, we always play the Giants well, and we play them at home. We went to New York, and oh, no, wait a minute. Mm, nope, we played them in New York because that got hurt in the Giant game, and that was in, that was in Dallas. So we got to go to New York. I'm not scared of them. And I may be missing a game or two. But let's stay optimistic. Let's take this one week at a time. You know? Hey, I get all the whole they're three and seven, they're bad, three and eight, they're a bad team, the whole division is bad. But I, you're right. But I don't care. <laughs> I care that this team continues to play hard and fight and clean up. You know, Jason Garrett used to say it in the press conferences last year. We're going to watch the videotape. We're going to, uh, you know, note, uh, you know, build on what went well and clean up on what went bad. That's what he used to say. That's what needs to happen. You need to take stock on what didn't work. Look at those fourth down calls and make some decisions on what this team wants to be. The team lacks an identity. What do you stand for? You don't run the ball very well. You don't pass the ball very well. And your defense and special teams aren't playing very well. So who are you? Somebody's got to step up. And that's the last thing I'm going to say. There's no leadership here. Okay, Dak is the leader of this team. He's home. Who's stepping up to be the leader? Is it Zeke? I'm looking at these guys that are making a lot of money that are all pros. Zeke, Amari Cooper, Demarcus Lawrence, Sean Lee, Leighton Vanderesh, you know, Zach Martin. I don't know what his condition is. Um, they said he strained his calf. I'm hoping these guys, you know, day to day and the way Zach could barely walk, I'm not optimistic he's going to play. Uh, I think there's a better chance that we'll see Cam Fleming. Um, he did come back, was on the sideline. He couldn't go yesterday, but maybe with treatment um, he'll be able to play um, next uh, Thursday. And Zach, we'll see. Zach, tough guy. We'll see. But who's the leader of this team? You know, who on – I'm not talking about the coaches. I'm talking about on the field. Who is, I don't see who's the guy that's going to step up and, and lead the team and say, okay, you know, we had a tough loss. We're going to turn this around now. Who is it? I don't know who that is, but I think that's number one. Someone needs to step up. Someone. Because no one's doing it right now. Watch the interviews. And, and some of it might be Marcus Paul and his untimely passing. I get it. But they were like dazed. You know, somebody's got to step up and like and and say, you know, I, I love LeBron James for this. He will take the lead and has no problem saying, "This is my team." I've seen him when they've shown, you know, pregame, and he will go on. He'll say, "Okay, guys, follow my lead," and then he goes out and he does it, and he plays hard, and he, you know, he 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 leads by example. So who's going to be that guy on the Cowboys? Who's going to be the guy that leaves his heart on the field? People can get motivation from watching him. 
Who is it? I want to see who it is because I don't know who it is. And maybe next Thursday or between now and next Thursday, that person will reveal himself. I don't know. But we got five games to go. And we're one game out. Don't bury this team just yet. Don't say it's over just yet. In a series of less than in a in a in a less than a week time period, went from this team is terrible, ain't going anywhere, to this team might win the division. Look at how well they're playing and things are coming together. To back to this team is terrible and ain't going anywhere. Imagine if they beat Baltimore. Next Thursday night, even without Lamar Jackson, are we back to Dallas is going to win the division? I don't know. But this is what happens when you're a Cowboy fan in a year like this. We've had enough of these years. I get it. The Tommy Romo hurt years and all of that. The years before Romo became the starter, before um, Bill Parcells took over and we went through all these baseball players, Chad Hutchinson and – um, I can't even remember who who the other guy. There was another guy that came in. Drew 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 Henson, Chad Hutchinson, Quincy Carter, all these baseball players. Quincy actually wasn't half bad, but he was another baseball player. Bringing these guys in, you know, Vinny Testaverde was forty years old playing quarterback under Bill Parcells. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Drew Bledsoe at 30, 38 years old or thirty six, whatever he was, um, came in. You know, because. You know, Bill brought his guys. He brought Vinny. He brought Drew in before before he you know made Tony the starter. Like we we we've seen this story. We've been down this road, and we've seen the struggle of trying to be competitive. And it, it's a it's a struggle when you have so many injuries, a new coach, and so much uncertainty. So, good news is we're in a division that's terrible. Yes, the Redskins look pretty good, but they've had a rough year. And Alex Smith, he's going to be limited in what he can do. I I promise you that. And Daniel Jones and all these people that want to get on the Giants bandwagon, let's not forget the turnover machine called Daniel Jones. And there's no Saquon back there to help, you know, to help you. I think even Freeman might be on IR again now, too. I don't know. So, you know, so of these four teams, there's no one that sticks out. No one. Redskins' defense looks pretty good. Their offense looked good against us because our defense was on the field too long. By the fourth quarter, had nothing left. But these four teams, any one of them can win, win a division. Why not Dallas? Five games to go. Let's see what they can do. How yet? Don't jump on the hater eight bandwagon. Don't listen to the you don't deserve it. You're three and eight. Okay. What's their problem then? <laughs> you know, don't be mad at us because we're still in it at three and eight. Talk to the other teams that didn't pull away and didn't win the games they should have won to be eight and three and have us like sitting there saying, okay, what, what drastic are we getting? That's not our fault. We can only control what we do. So hang in there. Don't throw in the towel just yet. There may come a time where I come out here and I say, yeah, time to throw in the towel, but it ain't today. Let's see what goes on this weekend. Redskins are playing the, I'm sorry, the Washington football team. Um, I'm sorry, they already beat us. The Eagles are playing, I want to say, Seattle in a game that they should lose. And the Giants are playing the Bengals in a game that the Giants should win. So let's see what happens. But no matter what, all four teams are going to be within a game of each other. It ain't over yet. You don't quit a race because it looks like you're going to lose when you're still in it. Run through the tape. Isn't that what Coach Rottler used to say? 
Yes, you did. Okay, then. We're going to run through the tape. So on that note, I'm going to get on out of here. Enjoy the rest of my time off. Uh, I may come back over the weekend and do another show. I may grab JB, see if he wants to come on and do another show. Who knows? Uh, if not, we'll see you Tuesday night. Um, I hope everybody is staying safe. Um, if you're watching Trump, he's, he's slowly softening and coming to the realization that it's over, and I'm not sorry that it had to end this way. It's the only, <laughs> only bright news I've had lately. All right, everybody, happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your time off if you get it. Um, stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, social distance, stay home if you can. Let's beat this thing. Uh, there's things bigger than football and, and living our lives and protecting ourselves and our loved ones is one of them. So for my co-hosts, I hope they're doing well, and uh, we will talk Tuesday night. And in the meantime, remember, as I always say, all feuds are settled on the field. Good night or good afternoon. Bop, <laughs>